Okay, so we have come to our last two disorders for the semester. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, so our last two diagnoses here um, in this chapter um, are a little bit different from some of the others. Uh, remember that um, even though this is a chapter of uh, you know neurodevelopmental and other kinds of disorders, they're not necessarily childhood disorders for the most part, right? They can be all the ones we've talked about so far are most frequently identified in childhood or they believe to start in childhood, but they can go through people's lives. You know, I've I'm not a child psychologist. I've never really treated children nobody under maybe 17 or something like that. But I've seen people with all of these diagnoses, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, up to the ones we've been talking about so far. They are not just childhood disorders, right? That's a little different for these last two. Um, uh, you've noticed that at the end of a, a few of our chapters, um, we've looked at some diagnoses that are essentially childhood uh, disorders only, right? Um, and um, and part of that is because the DSM has tried to move um, disorders more along with their primary symptoms rather than breaking them off by age groups, right? But um, but here are our last two, oppositional defiant disorder and conduct disorder. Uh, this is on slide number 18 um, for chapter 13, or starting on slide number 18. Um, these two diagnoses uh, are do have age limits. They wouldn't be diagnosed in anybody over the age of eighteen, um, and they are um, they're frequently misunderstood diagnoses. But actually, it does bring us back to one of the important um, points about diagnosis uh, overall: uh, that a diagnosis is only a description of symptoms. Um, that um, that it's essentially a descriptive label. It tells us something about what symptoms or what problems the person is having at the time. It may tell us some things about, you know, how that's been in the past or what that's likely to be in the future, but it's mostly about just current symptoms. It doesn't say anything about what causes those symptoms, right? We've had to talk about etiology separately from diagnosis. Um, and, um, and I just need to remind you of that for these last two diagnoses, because it would be easy to, um, to fall into the trap of thinking of a diagnosis as a thing, as a thing that's inside of a person that causes them to behave this way. That, for instance, a child behaves this way because they have something inside them called oppositional defiant disorder or conduct disorder. And that's really not the way it is. Essentially, these are, uh, these are, uh, labels for patterns of problematic behavior in kids that can help kids get matched up with the kinds of treatment interventions that they need, right? And it doesn't necessarily tell us uh, why these behavior patterns came about to begin with. The, um, the other corollary of that is that these aren't explanations, but they also aren't excuses for behavior, right? In a sense, it's not saying that, oh, well, a child can't behave any other way. They have ODD. And so we can't expect them to behave any other way, or this child can't behave any other way. They have seat conduct disorder, right? This is um, uh, this is so it's not meant to be an explanation, and it's certainly not meant to be an excuse, right? We can still focus on helping the child change these kinds of behaviors. Um, that's going to be a, a fairly uh, important distinguishing factor between ADHD and. Uh, ODD and conduct disorder, right? Um, remember that uh, the symptoms of ADHD were essentially um, problems of being unable 
to behave. Whereas in oppositional defiant disorder and conduct disorder, these are problems of being unwilling to behave, right? For some reason, the child is able to do something, uh, behave, you know, get along with people, go according to rules, and they're choosing not to, right? Okay, so that's an important distinction here. And again, it's not an excuse. It's a way of uh, identifying patterns so that the child can get the right kind of intervention. So, um, on slide 18, we've got oppositional defiant disorder. In oppositional defiant disorder, a child shows a pervasive pattern that is um, pretty much across the board of being negativistic, pessimistic, hostile, and defiant, sometimes passive aggressive. Um, and let me be clear what I mean by that because people use that word, that term wrong. Passive aggressive means, um, means not doing something in order to aggravate somebody else, <laughs> right? So being sarcastic isn't passive aggressive. That's actually aggressive. <laughs> um, but um, but uh, refusing to do something or doing it slowly or saying you're going to do it and just not doing it uh, in order to um, aggravate somebody else, that's passive aggressive, right? Um, actually acting passively. Anyway, so um, uh, kids with oppositional defiant disorder are liable to um, uh, blame other people uh, for whatever goes Goes wrong. Um, uh, and, um, you know, it's not me, it's them, uh, not taking responsibility for stuff, uh, refusing requests from adults, uh, often going to be seen as grumpy um, a lot of the time. Um, uh, now, um, <clears throat> Uh, occasionally going to show things like vindictiveness, uh, you know, meaning um, uh, uh, kind of getting back at people or something like that. Uh, for kids with ODD, this is often going to be sort of, um, uh, this is liable to be quiet and sneaky kind of stuff, uh, like quietly stealing something that a person, in order to aggravate that person, or, um, uh, you know, uh, doing something behind somebody's back or something like that, right? Okay. Um, so uh, this is describing a pattern of behavior. Um, <clears throat> when, um, when we see kids with oppositional defiant disorder, if we see kids with oppositional defiant disorder, we got to go next to the why. And it's liable to be different for different kids, right? This doesn't tell us why. It just describes a pattern of behavior. Um, some things to keep in mind as far as whys. One of the whys, one of the possible whys here in oppositional defiant disorder is depression. <clears throat> Sometimes when kids uh, are depressed, they're going to be grumpy, negativistic, passive, um, surly sometimes, um, and show up as this sort of oppositional defiant. They, they may not even identify it in themselves as I'm sad or I'm depressed or something like that. It may show up this way. So we kind of got to look at that. Um, we also got to look at, uh, of course, how this child has been treated by other people, right? Um, uh, sometimes uh, if kids are neglected or abused, they can show some of these kinds of patterns as well. So we got we to look for that um, uh, when we see this pattern. The next pattern um, is a more, um, more external, more in-your-face uh, kinds of misbehaving, uh, and that's conduct disorder. Uh, on slide 19. Um, in conduct disorder, a child is more likely to kind of deliberately uh, break rules and uh, talk back to adults, uh, destroy property, um, torture animals for no reason, uh, set fires. Um, <clears throat> uh, this is um, 
This one overlaps with um, the risk for later uh, antisocial personality disorder. And I think I mentioned this when we talked about antisocial personality disorder, that if you recall, for that diagnosis, the personality disorder, um, it does specify in the diagnostic criteria that the person has to show certain symptoms before the age of I think it's 15, um, um, uh, even though antisocial personality disorder really wouldn't be diagnosed in itself until the person was beyond the age of 18. Um, and so these are separate diagnoses, but they are often go one to the other, so that a child with conduct disorder may turn into an adult with antisocial personality disorder. Um, uh, there, um, you know, so kids with conduct disorder are liable to get into real trouble uh, with uh, with schools, with the law, with hurting other kids, um, with sometimes sexually abusing other kids, um, uh, stuff like that, right? Um, and so, a lot of those kids uh, would be diagnosed with conduct disorder. Again, this is describing a pattern. It's not an excuse or it's for the behavior or an explanation for the behavior. And so what do we look at when we got kids with conduct disorder? Well, we got to look at this risk for antisocial personality disorder. And if you remember some of the things that seem to go into um, the upbringings of people with antisocial personality disorder is um, inconsistent parenting, uh, a history of exposure to violence, um, uh, things like that, right? And so we've got to look at that in the um, uh, in the environment of the child. Uh, and, you know, has this child been victimized themselves? Uh, especially if you see children sexually abusing other children, you almost always have to, well, you definitely should look uh, at the possibility that that assailant child was sexually abused themselves, right? Um, that's not something that kids just happen upon on their own a lot. I'm sure it happens, but um, uh, but often that's you know one of those uh, uh, red flags that we got to look for uh, that this person might have been abused themselves, um, and so the hope is that by identifying uh, people with conduct disorder earlier on, then we can make some interventions so that they don't necessarily go into uh, people with um, antisocial personality disorder. But again, that would involve some um, some early kinds of interventions, right? Um, <clears throat> so a lot of times um, uh, kids are going to get a, con a diagnosis of conduct disorder if they're engaged with the juvenile law system at all or um, or, or even to lesser degrees uh, you know um, uh, problems in school getting suspended um, um, fighting with teachers uh, stuff like that that's often going to lead to a diagnosis of conduct disorder those kinds of things right um, but again that's a um, an opportunity for intervention. Okay, so um, that wraps up this chapter on neurodevelopmental disruptive and conduct disorders. Um, just to remind you, I think your textbook covers the elimination disorders. We can eliminate the elimination disorders uh, in this chapter. That's uh, enuresis and encapresis. You can skip those. Um, <clears throat> I won't test you on those. Um, but here we go. That's it. How about some bongo drums for old time's sake?